You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. To the 35, as Manning fires downfield, looking for Beckham, he draws a flag and he makes the catch with Greg Stroman defending. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Grump, we're finally at game week. No more wasting time talking about preseason games that are meaningless. No more talking about the salary cap. No more draft predictions. No more crying about last year. It is week one, and it is Dallas week. So I'm just very relieved that that is over with. You know, the long nightmare we've had of an off season of just coming off a terrible year and everything. So I'm just glad we, we start anew and, uh, you know, see where we go from here. Well, that is correct. So the, the Giants had their first technically regular season practice today. And um, that is Monday. This is being recorded Monday night, Labor Day. And you're all hearing this on Tuesday morning. So... I hope you all had the day off today. However, we on the show are always a step behind the NFL. So we're going to just take a look back (laughs) at our final preseason episode here is we're going to go over the 53-man roster as it stands today, which should be finalized for at least Sunday, uh, week one. Um, There's a lot of moving and shaking that happened after the 4 p.m. deadline like we had said would happen. Um and we can we can jump right into it, but just remember that this podcast can be found on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, and uh, if you could just go to iTunes and give us a five star rating, we'd greatly appreciate it because we deserve it. Yeah, damn it, we do a good job. Yeah, it's a damn good, <laughs> damn good podcast. This is a damn good podcast for sure. Um, you know the 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 fifty three. Had some surprises for some people, but not really us. I mean, everything that happened, we kind of saw coming. I don't know that there were any big surprises for me, but the biggest surprise, I think, for a lot of people, including beat writers, like people who, you know, are are dialed in, not the casual fan, uh, is right at the quarterback position. Um, uh, The the Giants went with three quarterbacks, which I guess for some people was a bit of a... a head scratcher, and at that they decided to keep veteran Alex Tanney over uh, second-year veteran Kyle Aletta. Um, so the pecking order, I would think, at this point, week one is Eli Manning, Alex Tanney, Daniel Jones. Would you not agree? I agree, especially for the first. I would say almost the first half of the season, as far as I think. Yeah, I know how not good Alex Tanney has looked this preseason and I also agree to some extent that there were times when Kyle Aletta seemed to outplay him against similar caliber players with similar caliber uh, teammates at the time but really what you're trying to get here is experience and it doesn't have to be game experience it has to be just league experience you know preparation experience yeah, yeah. Daniel Jones I, I, you know for at least the first four to five weeks you don't want to do put him in a situation where you're going to shake his confidence. Let this is your future. You you're now mortgaged for it. You know the sixth overall pick. We we've we've spent all fucking off season crying about how he wasn't worth the sixth overall pick. Uh, uh, we, we, we 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 as in crybaby Twitter. Not not we as yeah. In <laughs> Let's relax. <laughs> but, but we've been bitching and moaning about 
you know, how he's not worth the six overall pick. And, and you don't want to ruin that. Why would you want to, to throw him in week one, you know, if, if Eli Manning were to get hit in the arm or, or anything and, and put him out there over his head, having to command the full playbook, not just the drawn up plays to make sure he can execute when everything's in front of him, but the full playbook, read defenses, you know, don't do that. You know, this is your future. Don't shake his confidence. Let him learn. Let him see. When when Manning comes off the sideline, comes off the field onto the sideline after he throws a pick, and they all gather around the fucking Microsoft Surface tablet, and they go over everything. Let him be there for that. No, don't let him be the reason he's there. Well, I think also if you're – at least for the first half of the season too, the giant coaching staff is going under the thing that they're going to try to make the playoffs. And they think they're a playoff contending team until they're eliminated. So if there's something where Manning goes down for – a play or a drive or a court or even a game, Daniel Jones does not have the full playbook yet. Daniel Jones, since draft night, has been groomed to take over this team at some point. It's been accelerated because he has looked well in OTAs and practices in the preseason games, but you can't accelerate that preparation for a rookie. I mean, he was on a trajectory to take over at some point. So I... They're still going to try to win games. That's the, that's the number number one goal in the beginning of the season. It's not even so much worrying about his confidence. It's, is this guy ready to take over a team? And he's I don't think he's ready yet. He's looked good when we've seen him. But again, he hasn't faced a number one defense. It's been kind of choreographed and staged for him to succeed. You throw him out there where he has to all of a sudden still – learn the playbook and understand the playbook and understand how it's like to be an NFL quarterback on a week to week basis, preparing for each team each week. You may not be there yet. And the coaches know that more than we do. So, yeah. And I I don't usually use the excuse. The coaches know more than we do. Um, But in this case, when it comes to the development of a rookie, I will always say it. Mm -hmm. I will always say that they know more than we do. And going back to Laletta too, you know, the, we said it last week, the situation changed. He was brought in here to potentially be the replacement to Eli Manning. The opportunity presented itself to draft someone, you know, whether you agree with it or not, still has been determined, but they had the opportunity to draft a quarterback in the top six of the draft, and that changed your thinking. Sure. And, and Kyla Letta is still – he's a quarterback with a trajectory that is in the future – is a, you know, could be a starter in this league. We don't know what his trajectory is yet. And that's not what this team needs. They don't need two projects on this team at once. They need one. They needed a guy like an Alex Tanney who can, okay, he's a professional. He knows what to do in a short-term basis to go in there if he has to step in and play. You're talking with two guys with Jones and Lauletta who are still young guys, still trying to figure this thing out. And there's really, you know, we said it, you know, the second the draft happened, his date num- days were numbered. And, you know, I still go back, Rump, to the incident with the car in this, and being late for practice and stuff. Again, coaches know much more than we do about what's the worth ethic of a guy like him. And, you know, does he really have it in him to do what it takes to be a starting quarterback in the NFL? So I'm not surprised in one bit that this is the way they're going to go. Um I'm not even that surprised that they kept three quarterbacks. And a lot of people after week three were saying, 
you know, we think it's going to be a, a two-quarterback team, and I never thought that was going to be the case, especially this early on. This is exactly the way I think it kind of shook out where I thought it was going to be. I, I'm not surprised in the slightest. Uh, this is exactly what we thought it would be, Manning, Tanny, Jones, in that order. Um, my only question now is, is there a point midway through the season or three-quarters of the way through the season where – some kind of situation happens where you need to load up for a position that's been hit by injuries that Tanny is one of the guys dropped to make room. Is that possible? I'm still thinking there's a 75% chance that that doesn't happen. I think it depends on the situation. I think it depends on the need. I think it depends on if the Giants are 3-3 three and three or 1-5 and five or 6-1. and one. I think there's a lot of things, but I think... Uh, I would say he would be one of the roster spots that would be in jeopardy if moves had to be made going mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. Um, my one question, my one question for you, Grump. Now talking about um, Kyle Letter for a minute, the Eagles wasted no time in picking him up. Um, do you have any concerns that for a guy that's been around the organization for a full season, an off season, and a training camp? All of a sudden, goes to a team that just, you know, a team that just cut him its biggest rival, and says, "Here's the playbook, guys." Here's why I do have a little bit of a concern for that. It's pretty minor. Uh, this this kind of thing does happen a lot. Um, the reason why I have a bit of an issue with this is that we don't play Philadelphia until week 14 and week 17. That's a long time for him to spill guts on a playbook. In addition to look over film. Um, you know, these kinds of things, like I said, they, they happen all over the league all the time. Uh, but it's a little bit different when it's a quarterback. Uh, it's a little bit different when it's a division rival. And um, I think that a team that's already better than us on the field, like Philadelphia, particularly their defense taking over games, um, any advantage that they they get is going to be detrimental to us. Now, if we're talking about him going to Washington, where we play them, what, week four or something like that, there's not as much time to prepare, you know, I, I, you know, they're, they're about equal to us. They're not very good. Um, they're sort of in their own little transitionary period. I'm a little bit less worried about it. But mm-hmm. Philadelphia is already so much better than us that that, that little advantage of knowing – you know, just terminology alone, things for the d- defenders to, to key in on and know what that means. I don't like that. Um, but overall, in the grand scheme of my concerns for the season, it's barely a blip. Yeah, I mean, I look at it since we're not playing them to so late in the season. It could be a completely different Giants team at that point. I mean, there's no guarantee Eli Manning's the starting quarterback. True. The offense might be tailored a little differently for, you know, Daniel Jones or Alex Taney or a different quarterback at that point where it's not, you know, exactly what you're seeing now, how they're preparing now is how they're going to look in week 13. Uh, You know, they're obviously going, unless you're a moron like the Oakland Raiders and they play John Gruden and the Bucks, they're going to change like their calls and their signals and things when they face him. Um, And, and quite honestly, if things go as we kind of project they're going to go to, the Giants are going to be terrible or no impact at all on, on Philly. So to me, you know, it's it's a good 
narrative to say, oh, they got him for reconnaissance and prepare for a giant game and a giant team down the road, but they're not wasting a roster spot <laughs> to worry about us at this point. No, I, I mean, I don't think that was their ultimate goal. I think it's a, a plus for them, mm-hmm. but I think ultimately Kyle Loletta had some interest in the draft last year. Um, mm-hmm. He's shown some skill in the, the short intermediate range and taking control of an offense. Um, you know, for me, he will never develop into a starter simply because I don't see the deep ball in him. Um, just comes out like a balloon and uh, just asking for safeties to close in on it. But you know, I've been I've been wrong about stuff before. But so the question is, he does he go to the practice squad for Philly or yeah, is he's he... on the practice squad? Okay, so it's really uh, you know, it, it's not like we're going to see him anytime soon, you know, in the league or anything. But you know. Well, you never know with Carson Wentz's injury history. It's, it's true. It's certainly possible. But. It's possible. But, I mean, they're developing him. They're, I guess what are they developing for? To potentially be a backup or just as an asset to have or something? And, Could be a trade know, asset. You know, Or a trade asset? They, they, Who knows? The Giants did try to dangle Kyle Oletta out there for trade bait. Uh, mm-hmm. for the, that was reported anyway, so we think that. Mm-hmm. But I guess nothing blossomed, so they just released him. Okay. Um, any other, you know, just you know, first thoughts of any real surprises out there that, uh, that happened or didn't happen or no, not really. I mean, it, the, the rest of the offense kind of came out the way we thought, you know, the running backs with Barkley, Gallman, Perkins and Elijah Penny, um, you know, the offensive line, you know, you had your starters with Solder and Remmers, Hernandez, Zeitler, Halapio with some backups, Slade. Uh, Gates and Pulley, and then they just recently picked up Eric Smith, uh, a tackle. What about Evan Brown? Evan Brown went to the practice squad. He did. He did. He went to the practice squad. Okay, it's interesting that he slipped through to get to the practice squad. Yeah. Some guy that we were considering, you know, in the off season, you know, would that be the you know the battle for the starting spot for center? And no one else in the league thought much of his value that he slipped through. It's a, I think it's interesting. Yeah, that tells you where. You know, the overall talent level on this offensive line from a depth perspective needs to improve. Right, right. And, you know, this is sort of phase two of this uh, rebuilding process. If we got, You've got a pretty decent starting line. You've got pretty decent talent on the outside and at quarterback now. Um, but the depth is where the problem is. I mean, you know, depth takes time to build. You can't build depth before you build the starters. Not if you, not if you want to be competitive mm-hmm. at all. So, uh, you, you know, I would – think that this is the best looking offensive line from a starter perspective that we've seen since probably 09 um you know certainly 2011 when they weren't particularly good but good enough at least in pass protection um so it, it's been a while since we've seen a starter group this good the depth though i mean these guys may as well be complete rookies it doesn't matter i don't i think if any one of these uh, starters have to go with the exception of maybe Jalapio with Spencer Pulley having some experience of being decent there. Uh, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, wide receiver had a small hiccup there. Uh, it looked like fan favorite from a local perspective, Reggie White Jr., who went to Monmouth, uh, made it to, slipped into the practice squad, didn't make the roster, and um, other fan favorite, you know, we, we talk about this every year, that the sixth uh, wide receiver spot. Uh, Alonzo Russell made the team and then didn't. Um, was, <laughs> was waived uh, for special teams player Cody Core. 
Um, I I guarantee it will get a jersey on game day. You know, the special teams is important. So, uh, you know, they they went with um, uh, Sterling Shepard, Cody Latimer, Benny Fowler, Russell Shepard, special teamer, Darius Mm -hmm. Slayton, draft pick, and Cody Core, special teamer. So that's what we're looking at at the outside there. Not major surprises, and again, I think it's more of an impact with Golden Tate being out for the first four games, and it normally would, this discussion. Yeah. Um, At tight end, you know, when Engram, Ellison, Dickerson, Scott Simonson suffered a high ankle sprain in in making a touchdown catch in the final preseason game and went to the IR list there. Sucks. I mean, uh, as soon as he caught it and you saw him do a little hop step after he caught it, and everybody came over to look at him, and you know injuries suck in this league, and they 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 suck even more when they're in their preseason. They suck even more when it basically costs you a potential roster spot. Yeah, it's a real shame. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it. I I'll say this much: um, a high ankle sprain is a much better diagnosis than I was expecting when they when they pulled the cart out for him. He tried yeah. to use his left leg to pull the you know push himself up onto his feet and couldn't even do that much. Had to switch to his right leg to get up there. He couldn't put any weight on his left leg. So I was expecting a broken bone in his leg. Um, it, you know, turns out to be just a, a major sprain. So, you know, that's that's good news at least. Um, other tight end notes is that undrafted uh, free agent CJ Conrad slipped through to the practice squad as well. Um, I think that he was kind of hidden away from the league and, you know, had his playing time reduced a little bit so that he could slip through the practice squad. That's that's my theory. Um, but that's the offense. That's what we're looking at for our, our offense right there. I believe it's 25 guys. Yes, you, let's talk for a second. Now that we have our initial roster for um, the, the first game of the year, what do you feel – what do you feel the strengths of this roster and what's going to need to be, you know, what's your biggest concerns, you know, short term and intermediate term on the offense? Yes. You know, the offensive line depth is the one that that sticks out to me right away. You know, I don't know of a single offensive line in recent memory that has made it 17 <laughs> weeks without one guy going down for a game. Um and how about even? How about the offensive line has gone seventeen? We're only losing one guy, even. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't even happen. So, yeah, so, and again, you know, depth is something that's going to have to be built over time. I think that they tried to do that with um, by by getting George Asafo Aji out of Kentucky to, mm-hmm. to to develop into a right tackle. And it's unfortunate his concussion actually sidelined him for multiple weeks. He missed so much time that it's just better for him to be on IR. So that that sucks, but uh, there was an attempt there with the plethora of picks that we had in the draft to start building a little bit of depth. It didn't pan out, but you know that's going to probably be, you know, a, a focus. Don't be surprised this coming off season for the draft is to build that offensive line further. Guys that you know can take over for Nate Solder when he's his time here is done. Uh, take over, especially for for Mike Remmers, who I believe is only on a one year deal at the right tackle position. Um, aside from that, you know, unless Darius Slayton really shows up as a, a, a 
a late round, you know, fifth round pick, a late round home run hitter. I think that the wide receiver position is missing that home run hitter, you know, guy. And and for that matter, I'm not sure there's a ton of depth there with Tate out uh, of guys who can get separation at this level. I'm a little worried about Benny Fowler and, and Russell Shepard being the uh, the three and four potentially at the wide receiver position. Yeah, I, I'm worried about that too. I think offensive line. Uh, the sorry. The receiver depth in like other than a first and second option, what are we going to do? Because again, if you're talking about an offensive line that you know we need to see to believe it can really pass block, you know, is Eli not in the serious decline of his career because of other factors? If you know he has a better line than he did, you know, if he's not the guy anymore, you know, all these little parts put together could be big problems. So uh, my things is. Depth at wide receiver, obviously depth offensive line, and I think, and I'm going to be honest, I'm, I need to see Eli if he's you know, the bottom isn't fallen out yet. Yeah, we can we can, you know, say for the last couple of years, brutal offensive line, no running game, wide receivers hurt up and down, bad coaching, you know, bad scheme, a scheme that may not have fit Eli, but now it seems like you know. We feel a little more confident in the coaching in the scheme and offense tailored for him. Offensive line's the best line he's had and, you know, went healthy several years. Uh, you know, Everett Ingram's getting into his own. Golden Tate will be back. The question is going to be, does, you know, do we see more and more and more bad Eli than good Eli? And so I'm, I'm hoping for the best, but I'm trying, you know, I'm kind of realistic too that uh, he might be one of the, the – you know, the the chink in the armor that really causes the problems. Sure. Yeah, uh, I think that's that's a decent point, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing I forgot to mention about the wide receivers, it's not for lack of trying. Um, Corey Coleman, I think, was really supposed to be a part of this wide receiver group that they expected to be, the, the three or the four. It's, you mm-hmm. know, his injury right at the beginning of the preseason is late enough to panic you know what I mean? Late enough to, to cause a huge disruption in your plans. Right. And, and early enough to, um, you know, wipe, wipe out the whole season. It's, it's It sucks. But, uh, you know, with Britton Golden, who who showed a little bit in preseason, and Corey Coleman on IR, it, you're just going to have to hang in there with Evan Ingram probably getting a big dose of it. Hopefully Darius Slayton hitting the field for a, a couple plays you're just going to have to roll with that for four weeks until Tate comes back. And guess what? You know, we see these guys don't assume, oh, well, these guys will stay healthy all year round. I mean, no, they how won't. Many, how many injuries did we see the wide receiving core during the four preseason games where they were only playing, you know, little subsets of games? Yeah. You know, this, the, the depth will be a concern. And that's what separates teams that are playoff teams from teams that are, you know, in this four to six win bubble like the Giants are right now. Moving forward to the defense, um, I don't think there was really much shock here at all for me. Um, I know again there was there was two two big um, things that were a bit of a shock to again more than just the casual fan. But the defensive line I think was pretty easy to predict, right? B.J. Hill, Dalvin Tomlinson, Dexter Lawrence as your starters, Olson Pierre and R.J. McIntosh. You know Pierre was a former Arizona Cardinal. 
uh, free agent acquisition this year, and R.J. McIntosh, a draft pick from last year. And quite frankly, it just was all over the field in that last preseason game. I I tweeted it right away, and I I just decided I was going to keep a string every time he did something. Before I knew it, that was all I was doing was tweeting RJ McIntosh stuff. So, right, um, right, no surprises there, right? None. Yeah. Uh, from an outside linebacker position, again, no surprises, and this is probably the best outside linebacker group this team has had in a while, with um, Lorenzo Carter, Marcus Golden, uh, O'Shane Ziminis, who's looked good in the preseason, better than I expected him to be at this point, and, and Kareem Martin. You know, not going to be the flashy guy but is definitely good at setting the edge and stopping those running plays from bouncing outside forcing them back into that strong defensive line he's probably going to get the start on a lot of games uh, you know this season just because of the nature of whatever offense they're facing right no surprises there again right no no there were not a lot of battles even going into camp that we you know if you go back to our show six weeks ago seven weeks ago we didn't expect you know all this competition in multiple positions. I mean, we thought that a lot of things were kind of settled. would be some questions on some depth issues and where rookies would fit in. But the fact there's not a lot of, of surprises really kind of goes back to our theme for the last several weeks. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, when you're rebuilding, I mean, this is sort of what you get, you know, your free yeah. agents are, are brought into play right the fuck now. And your draft picks are, you know, let's, <clears throat> let's not confuse that. We think, this is a really good team and there was no need for competition. No. <laughs> we just saw we just saw what, you know, positions we thought that were stable relative to the competition that was coming in and what was acquired through the draft and free agency and the such. No, I mean there's two types of teams in the NFL when it comes to the offseason. There's teams that look at the roster and say, how can we get better? And then there's teams that are rebuilding like this one and they say, where do we start getting better? Because they need to get better all over. Right. So, I mean, that's, you know, hopefully by the end of this year is where you start looking at it. It's like, all right, where are the problems that we need to fix? Not where do we start fixing problems? Mm-hmm. Um, at the inside linebacker spot, you know, we have our starter in Alec Ogletree. And then it's, you know, kind of a question. I don't know who's going to be starting, if it's going to be Tay Davis or Ryan Connolly. Uh, Connolly shot up the depth chart and he deserved every second of it because even among the starters, he looked like he belonged out there. Mm-hmm. Um, again, preseason vanilla stuff, but you know it's it starts with looking like you belong. And remember, week one starters not set in, set in stone for the next no. sixteen weeks either. You know, uh, whether it's injuries or whether guys just play better or what kind of you know base defense are coming at, and like you just alluded to, based on the competition and what type of scheme the offense is going against them too. So. When we say, you know, this guy, Connolly kind of came up the charts, you know, he may start some weeks. He may not start other weeks. It's just they'll be all be interchangeable and cream will rise, you know, as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Nate Stopar made the team and BJ Goodson initially made the team and was traded today. They were going to waive him. They announced they were going to waive him. And when it seemed like he had a lot of suitors – uh, the Green Bay Packers came in desperate for him and made a trade. And I, I say desperate, not like they gave up the farm for him. They gave away a, a conditional seventh-round pick. Um, but they didn't want to risk him going through waivers because they knew they wouldn't get him. So they wanted to sure. ensure that they got him. So I'm surprised, Grump, that doesn't happen more often, to be very honest. 
No, the yeah. the waiver day, you know, cut down day trade where people, you know, another team has scouted somebody, and you know, and it doesn't have to be again for four first round picks and the keys to the city, but you know, a seventh round pick, a conditional pick, a future pick, just something to kind of say, you know, because remember, I think reading my timeline today, people were kind of like, that's all we got for him. I mean, it's like this is a guy that basically was going to be given away for nothing. We were going to. Yeah. Get rid of them. Out with the trash. So I think anything you do get for someone like that, to me, is a bonus. And again, for a team that's rebuilding, I will take every draft pick I can get. Yeah. And again, you know, you get these late-round picks. You're not picking, you know, special teamers and guys that go to the practice squad. You can bundle those up and trade up in the draft for a guy who means a lot to you. Absolutely. So, I mean, every draft pick counts no matter how late. They can all be bundled and traded. So, um, they they picked up uh, an inside linebacker named David Mayo, special teams guy. So, him and Nate Stupar, mostly going to be special teams. Um, that's a concern for me. This inside linebacker spot is, is really not deep, but, I mean, how many years in a row are we going to say this? So, I mean, I, I guess I can't... <laughs> I can't be too, um, you know, too worked up fix, about it. You can't fix everything yeah. right away, you know. Uh, the the cornerback position is it looks decently deep. Janoris Jenkins and DeAndre Baker are penciled in at your starting spots. Corey Ballantyne has played his way to the top of the list, I think. After that, and uh, Julian Love probably behind him, and Antonio Hamilton. Um, mostly special teams guy, but also showed some decent skill on the outside as well. Uh, I gotta be honest, you know, if you had told me last October that Janoris Jenkins would still be on this roster, I would be shocked. I really am. Yeah, I mean, you said it multiple times on the show. Don't be yeah. surprised if he's gone. Blah, blah blah. I think honestly, in the in the um, in the midst of a losing team, he composed himself is probably what it was you know he certainly was the one who played up to expectations on his contract I mean Olivier Vernon did not produce a lot of sacks cost a lot of money Damon Harrison you know I think Dave Gettleman has a big problem with spending that much money on a run stuffer and, and for the record I don't understand these people there a lot of people complaining about um how much money we've dumped into a running back because by his draft position automatically became um, the third highest or something like that in the top five among running backs and how it's easy to get cheap replacement for that. But we're also the same people who are up in arms about ditching Damon Harrison and replacing him with a, you know, a, a poor man's version of him with Dexter Lawrence. I thought you guys wanted to save money. I thought you wanted, you know, the cheap mm-hmm. You know, if you can replicate that for half the price, I don't know what you're complaining about now. You can't. You're arguing out of both sides of your mouth. Um, But again, you know, of those high-priced guys, I think Janoris Jenkins was the most consistent, other than the times that he was injured. Um, That plays a lot into it too. Do you you not agree? Maybe. I I I agree with you. There's no point of having high-priced guys and guys who are built, you know, guys who are better suited to be on playoff teams and rebuilding teams. And Snacks was just, 
it's a classic case of a guy who just was not he was picked up at a time where they where a different regime thought this team was better place than they were and there weren't i mean i don't agree with that i mean he was part of the 2016 run i mean that team was but that's what i'm saying that's yeah, when he was acquired yes. he was acquired to be part of a a situation where the old regime thought we were in a different place than we actually were mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know we made the playoffs we got into the playoffs but that seemed to be fool's gold for for whatever reason injuries you I know, think the schedule is a little bit easier than people. Yeah, think. yeah. So, you know, in 2017 or two thousand or in 2018, are we making that same type of free agent uh, acquisition for a guy like him? Yeah. No. 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 We're in rebuilding now. We are purely in rebuilding mode, and we were in it last year too. And uh, so, I think, you know, it, it's not that he's a good fit on the field. He's just not a fit for the rebuild and I, I think they did the right thing and you flip him into into draft picks you you know you deal with the dead money and then then all of a sudden you have a lot of money that you can be used to you know based upon where we are after this year and into next year do you need to spread it out over getting lots of talent or can you dig deeper into the pool and get you know maybe a snacks type of contract slash player We'll have to see where this. We come out of this season, and we're still three and thirteen. We are much further along, or much further back than we would like to be. We come out of this season seven and nine, but almost Daniel Jones took over and looks really promising, and different things work out. We will reassess. Yeah, I, I forgot to mention also Grant Haley uh, as cornerback, probably further up the list than Love, maybe right at the same point as Ballantyne. In terms of depth, but would probably be your starting nickel corner, um, undrafted free agent out of Penn State last year. Um, I, I believe also a fan favorite, probably right. Yeah. Um, safeties, no surprise whatsoever there. Um, Jabril Peppers, Antoine Bethea, uh, Sean Chandler, and Michael Thomas. I mean, it's exactly what we thought, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um. I think my only concern there really is that Bethay has to be a, a stopgap solution. They're going to need a real, a real rangy playmaking free safety. I think on the back end that they can pick up in the draft or, or whatever. Uh, but that that's going to be a spot going into twenty twenty that they're going to need to pair Peppers with somebody. Um, specialists: Diossi, Rosas, Dixon. I think Johnny Townsend was brought in a little too late to really have a, a competition. I mean, he was cut a little too late for them to to have a, a competition, but is what it is. I don't think Dixon is, you know, uh, maybe like a middle of the pack punter in the league, right? Nothing special about him. Nothing poor. He's not going to hurt you, and he's not going to, you know, consistently flip the field for you either. Yeah. But he's not going to – he's not a liability. No, I don't think so. I mean I I do think that they were hoping that when they brought in Townsend, they could really get some substantial evidence that they were able to get somebody um, to fall into their laps that would be an upgrade at the position. But I don't think they got enough evidence of that between practice, you know, the things that we don't see. Um, but, you know, the, the, the one thing that surprised some – uh, you know, people who pay attention was that Sam Beal continued to get a roster spot. I mean, he's he's put on IR, but I'm not at all surprised that Sam Beal got a spot. I mean, first of all, he's a pick that this regime made. 
Um, and they, they spent a supplemental draft pick on him. And I believe when he was practicing, he was getting the starting reps and looking good doing it. You know, this is the same reporters who were saying that he was looking good doing it. They're the ones that are surprised that he got a roster spot. Even if it is IR, it could be short-term IR. Um, I I wasn't in the slightest surprised, but I don't know why that was surprising. They really think they were going to give up on him already without ever seeing him in a game? Yeah, I mean, they made they made the extra effort to get him. Yeah. Uh, but I will say, though, that, you know, this has been two years in a row that... I agree, yeah. And, you know, the, will the, if this happens again next year, I don't think he's going to be as fortunate. But, uh, yeah, I mean, how old is the guy? I mean, he's 22? 23, 22. Yeah, I, no I mean, we're, I don't think they're giving up on a guy that's, a, you know, the equivalent of a pretty high, you know, high draft pick. Yeah, he's I mean, 23, you, he's got all the measurables. And the thought was that if he entered into this draft, if he had stayed out of the supplemental and entered into this draft, he'd be a second-round player. Yeah, so you're talking about a guy who's a second-round, potentially a second-round equivalent who would be a rookie this year. Mm-hmm. You're just going to cut. I mean, you see these guys like this, the Simonsons, and guys who go on IR and they just lose them because he got hurt. We're talking about guys that are fringes to make the roster. Sure. In their, in their best day. This is a guy we're talking about. We had penciled in as probably being a starter. We yeah, said it all, yeah. all last season. Well, well, don't forget about Sam Beal when he comes back. He'll probably be taking over one spot. And uh, I think in one of the times, I, one of my many times I mentioned, I think Janoris Jenkins would be gone. I think one of the things I said, well, we have Sam Beal coming in next year, going to be in the system for a year and prepping for it. So it, it, did, it didn't make any sense that they would give up on him. So now, now if he's 25 or 26 and – you know, a contract year coming up or something, different story, sure. but still a pup. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's silly. I think, honestly, his current injury, I believe, is a hamstring one or groin. It's a soft tissue injury. I believe, to my core, that they are intentionally not rushing him because they have so much depth there. They invested so heavily in, in this draft. There's no need to rush him right now, is there? No. I mean, with what you got in DeAndre Baker, a first-round player, what you have in a pro bowler like Janoris Jenkins, and the way that you know Corey Ballantyne has stepped up to the plate, and the, the fact that Grant Haley still looks like a starting nickel corner, you know, you, you even managed to get Julian Love, you know, because he fell a little bit further in the draft than everybody really thought. I mean, you have plenty of depth there. There's no reason to push this guy's rehab along. It's one of the few positions on this roster where. You can do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if it, this was offensive line or something and, you know, a guy like that goes down, it's like, well, we can't wait. We have no depth. We need all the help we can get on the field at once. But that's not the case in the secondary, in the, in the cornerbacks. Yeah. yeah I, I, I have no issue with Sam Beal earning a roster spot, whether he goes to IR or not. Um, I, I'm still anxious to see what we got in our third round supplemental draft pick or whatever it was. Sure, sure. Um, and, and quite frankly, you know, I believe this is Janoris Jenkins' contract year. I can't imagine they'll be pay- ponying up the money for that. Not, exactly. Not with the amount of investments they put into the position. So Exactly. So do you want to go back into the draft or free agency to replace another position back there or someone you've had in-house now for two years? Just because you're impatient. Yeah. Impatient for what? Again, 
Giant a roster spot for somebody who's not going to play. Giant fans don't want to hear this. The local media doesn't want to hear this. But we have a ways to go before we are in a position to seriously compete. <laughs> yeah, and it can seriously compete for anything. So you're going to have to just kind of strap yourself in and wait it out. Um, the only other thing that really I think is of note is that seventh round pick out of Syracuse, uh, Chris Slayton, defensive tackle, big, big, big guy, uh, made it to the practice squad. I think they did a, that, that he's another one. I think that they kind of didn't want the rest of the league to see him because he needs to refine a little bit, but they think they got a gem there, you know, in, in a defensive line rotation. I'm not talking about a pro bowl or anything like that, but you know, you don't want to lose the seventh round draft pick to the league. Um, they also acquired um, defensive back Corn Elder. I, I don't really remember much about him other than he played at, at Miami uh, Hurricanes in college, and uh, he was a, a later round draft pick. If he was a draft pick at all, I don't really know. He was just okay, you know. Um, but they also acquired wide receiver David Sills, who was at West Virginia last year. Um, and, you know, that's a that's a big play offense that he played in. He was a decent part of that, wasn't he? Oh, God, yeah, bombs away offense. And those Big 12 games, if anybody watches them, <laughs> if you're not looking for a defensive battle, go watch that. I mean, Will Greer was his quarterback, and they threw for a million yards every game. <laughs> yeah, I think on any given play, there's a go route being run. <laughs> Um, but David Sills is a is a very tall player. He's six three. Okay, I don't know how fast he runs. I think it's uh, a decent speed for for NFL standards. Um, you know your average speed. But what I liked about him over Alonzo Russell, who was definitely faster but about the same height, is if you watch the way David Sills catches the ball, right? He's gonna go up and attack the ball. He goes up. He plays to his size. He you know he's already taller than the defender, but he jumps taller than them. He goes and gets it. Not something I saw a lot from from Alonzo Russell. I didn't see him playing up to his size and towering over defenders. Kind of like that lean back, let the ball come to you thing. Doesn't work in the NFL. No, not at all. And you can see it on on tape immediately when you see it. And like you see it a lot during preseason games and stuff. It's like that's not going to fly in real life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's pretty much it. This is your 2019 New York Giants for for the most part for the rest of the year. <laughs> for better or for worse, yeah. this is it. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you feel about this team going forward? Really, not much different than I did after during our you know summer months. We were talking about expectations and going through our our mock season too. Um, if 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 the development of Daniel Jones is progressing in a good clip, that makes me hopeful for the future. I mean, I'm not gonna, I was never one of those ones who freaked out when they drafted him. How can you do that? I don't care about the value. If you know, I know if you have a quarterback who you draft who becomes your, you know, your starting quarterback for the next several years, I don't care if you drafted him first, twentieth, or in the ninth round. I don't worry about value. And, you know, again, we saw a very, very small view in these games and not real game conditions, but it was encouraging. And the fact that, uh, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't even worry that Tanny's on this drop to me. It means nothing about what his development is or the potential. But uh, I think we kind of won the preseason, the Giants, just for the fact that the narrative has changed. 
with him. And I think that's a big, big thing. Um, I still think we're going to be somewhere in that, you know, five and eleven to seven and nine range. Uh, injuries are probably the biggest variant. Whether we're going to be closer to the five or lower range than the higher side, um, but I just think we got to we got to kind of just we got to play another season and cycle through some of these guys to, to flip the roster with more with better drafts. You know, we have to have some good drafts, but that and prudent free agency. So we'll, we'll see what happens this year. I don't expect us to be non-competitive like we have been, but I also just really don't see us winning a whole lot either. Yeah, I, I think I agree with all that. Um, the injury, the lack of depth on this team is going to be the big killer because it's a part of the NFL. Um, mm-hmm. is, is the next man up kind of thing. And that's where they're sorely lacking right now. But when it comes to the starting lineup, I think this is the best team we've seen since probably 2016. You know, yeah. when when um, I think the scheme hurt them a little bit. Um, but overall, well, here's, the thing too, yeah. here's the thing too that we really haven't talked about at all during all of training camp. Saquon Barkley right now is one of the five best skill position players in the league, okay. non-quarterback. That is a major, major weapon. So it's also a major La- piece that we haven't seen exactly. since last year. Exactly. So it's a little bit of out of sight, out of mind. So when I saw somebody, uh, I think I was listening to a podcast or something, and they're like, well, the Giants just don't have any skill position players right now. It's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> what about Saquon Barkley? Yeah, he, he might you know, be the best running back in the league right now. He might be, very well might be. And he may not have to fight for every single yard running the ball like he did last year. Yeah, And if that's the case, that will make him that, that much, much more dangerous yeah. and also that much more you know, durable. Like he's not going to have to fight and be crushed every single time he touches the ball. And quite frankly, we haven't seen Evan Ingram much this preseason either. Mm. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's among the best tight ends in the league, but he's certainly an explosive weapon that's going to be an integral part of this offense downfield. Yes. So, I mean, it's another thing we haven't seen yet. And also with the hope being with better pass protection that he can be exploited more downfield as opposed to why does this offense just dump the ball off all the time? Why they why everything is behind the line of scrimmage? Like, well, they had to. Yeah. And if they didn't have to, they schemed like they had to. Hopefully, you'll see better blocking and a little more opening up of the entire playbook where you don't have to always worry about the dump off or just something just to save everybody's life. Correct. Last thing before we wrap up, just a little fun thing. The uh, I believe it's the Vegas betting odds. The over-under for Daniel Jones starts this year is five and a half. What do you? What's your take on that? I'd go under. I'd go under as well. I mean, not even about deserved. I mean, I, th- I think it's just the way they're going to to play that. Yeah, I, I think the major caveat on that obviously is injuries. You can't predict that, but I think as far if the natural flow of the season goes, you know, I don't. Again, I don't see this giant team being two and eight at any point. No, they're out of the playoff picture in before Thanksgiving. But you know, if that's the case, he'll play earlier. If yeah. they are sniffing the playoffs on December first, when I mean sniffing, I mean mathematically in it. Don't. Yep. Don't read that into being they're going to be leading the division at that point or they're looking at hosting the wild card. You know, nothing stupid like that. No, no, no. 
until they're mathematically eliminated, this team is playing as if they're making the playoffs. So I think that will be later than it was last year. Um, well, also, I mean, in order for that to happen, for him to get the over on that would have to be week 11, right? Right. That's 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 very early. This team will not be out of it by week 11. Hopefully. I mean, I really can't picture yeah. that. So. Well, I mean, again, you, we don't know with injuries, so. Yeah. The only other thing is that Eli Manning is going to have to play so horrendously with everything working around him for them mm-hmm. to make that switch earlier without actually losing that much. And I, mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of trouble picturing that. I agree. Yeah. So with that, that's it. This is, this is the last preseason episode for 2019 on Thursday. We will record for your Friday morning, our pregame Look at the week one matchup at the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll you know go over what needs to happen in order to win, who they need to shut down, what they need to do, and uh, you know kind of look at the the key matchups in that game. Um, also, this officially starts Dallas Hate Week, so you know feel free to start posting memes making fun of Dak Prescott and how much money they want to throw at him and Ezekiel Elliott for being a little bit overweight. You know, Whatever you want to post, post it. This is the time. Hey, really quick before before we go, this late-breaking news. That, um, Jacoby Brissett just signed a two-year extension for $30 million. That is a lot of money. That's a, you know, we're talking about Dak Prescott wanting $30 million a year. And all of a sudden, Jacoby Brissett gets $15 million a year. <laughs> Where does that eventually play out? Well, look, without going too much down the rabbit hole, I really think that the quarterback money issue was screwed up by San Francisco throwing a truckload of money at Jimmy Garoppolo, who had done very little to deserve it. <laughs> um, and, and is, well, how much, is he, how much is he getting average a year? Twenty-seven point five million a year on a five-year deal. It's seventy-five million, seventy-four million in guarantees, and a thirty-five million dollars signing bonus. A five-year deal. <laughs> he did this after a mid-season transition. I don't think he only played like four or five games. Yeah. At this time, that was what really <laughs> fucked up the quarterback landscape for money. I mean, that's that is a lot of money to throw at somebody who didn't even play a full year. Yeah, but you know something though he. He did look good in those games. And also, I mean, Joey Brissett has never looked good. No, I, I agree. Ever. I agree. But when you He's set never the, like a starter. When you set the bar there where you say Garoppolo has done only this much and he got this much, don't I deserve more than that? You know, it, it sets that precedent. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm Dak Prescott's agent, there is more than enough things to say to back up the um the desire for forty million dollars a year. There's more than enough. Does that make it right from a financial standpoint of a from an owner standpoint? No. But you know, that's just something you're gonna have to grapple with when you pick a guy who's just good enough to get you wins and not good enough to elevate the players around him. Yeah. <laughs> And also the Cowboys have a lot of bills to pay pretty soon too. It's not just him. Yeah, well, I mean, they're still in contract negotiations with Elliott, you know, and we'll we'll cover this more for your Friday broadcast, but he has not reported yet because he wants an extension. Yeah. At what point well, I guess we can save this for Friday, but I was wondering what point do you say he's not playing this weekend and we don't have to worry about him? 
I mean, I could see a scenario where he signs on Tuesday and all of a sudden there he is on Sunday and he's just playing. Absolutely. He, if he signs on Tuesday. He's not just sitting around eating bonbons all day. He's, you know. He's working out, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, enough to be the, the go-to guy there. I think unless some sort of timeline is set by Jason Garrett himself where, you know, if you guys don't get this – if you don't sign this deal by then, if you're not – I mean he's not going to say that. But if he says if you're not here – by Wednesday, you're not starting. You know, unless that's set, I would say it's on the table if he signs and doesn't practice at all. I'm sure that conversation has happened between him and Jerry Jones. I doubt it's happened. Well, I guess there hasn't been any contact at all, I guess, with uh... – Directly or with the agent? Yeah. I mean I'm sure Directly. it could be said to his agent. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean I think I, that's, I'm talking that's about – a negotiation tactic though. I think maybe they're not using that card just yet. Like, they're I mean, just not throwing it out there saying, you know, at some point – we have to move on without you for week one. I mean, I think that's a, that's a strategic negotiating thing. Yeah, that that's a whole can of worms. We'll open up. That, yeah. That's your little preview for what to expect Friday morning because uh, there's a whole lot more I can say on that and, and will say. So yeah. you can look forward to that. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump. I will be traveling to Dallas starting Friday morning, so I will try my best to, um, you know, Bring you the the tourism that I'm experiencing. Yeah, I was going to say a homework assignment for all you people out there. Do you have any recommendations for the Grump to go in the uh, Dallas Metroplex area for food, beverage, entertainment? Um, Food, beverage, entertainment, beverage, beverage, beverage. (laughs) I'm all ears. They have lots of cheap uh, drink specials out there. It's it's the land of the TGI Fridays and the Bennigans, so there is cheap beers aplenty everywhere. It's a very bland place, Dallas. It's it's like a big strip mall. I was in Austin a couple months ago, and I fell in love with the barbecue down night, there. Night and day. Oh, yeah, Austin's I'm sure. fantastic and interesting and eclectic and cool. Dallas is – Business. It's okay. a strip mall. Yeah, okay. Well, whatever. I'll take any recommendation I can get because I'm flying blind down there. I really have no fucking idea, and I'm staying at Airbnb, so. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, but by all means, you can send all those recommendations to at football underscore grump on Twitter. And just remember that the podcast has its own Twitter at Just Giants Pod, as well as being available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Podbean. Hit me up as always on Twitter at the Cranky Fan. Like, holy shit, I have a lot of things going on right now. I have a. Uh... I have a baseball team leading the wild card standings. I have a soccer team that's number two in the Eastern Conference. I have a top 10 college football team. I have a giant team that's tied for first place right now in the NFC East. There you go. So much to talk about. So um, hit me up at the Cranky Fan and we can discuss all of those things, whatever you want. And also check out my companion podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan, where we talk all things Florida Gator football. So if you want to hear me passionately defend a quarterback, Everybody says sucks because he talks into a TV camera. By all means, listen in. (laughs) All right, everyone, for the last time this preseason, let's go Giants. Go Giants. Giants.